You're listening to What Will It Take? Conversations with legends and movement makers with journalist and author Marianne Schnall. There is only one Oprah Winfrey. When you think of Oprah, you can think of so many different ways she has expressed herself into the world as a media icon, as an actress, as an author, as a producer, as a talk show host, as a philanthropist. She has found so many numerous ways to exert her power and her voice and her influence to create positive change in the world. Now, I have a very personal connection to Oprah, which I feel is very fitting to share in the context of this interview, because as you will hear in the following conversations, one of her core beliefs is around the notion of beliefs, about how your beliefs do create your ultimate reality. I think the first time that I heard Oprah say something about that was well before I ever interviewed her. It was in some interview or conversation that uh, I remember watching, and she introduced the concept of sort of visualizing a moment uh, for yourself that would sort of be a signpost of where you wanted to go. And ironically, I decided to visualize meeting and interviewing Oprah. And it was less because of, you know, I was starstruck by Oprah. I've certainly interviewed many celebrities and well-known people. But it was because for me, and I do connect with her because she's an interviewer and she's a media person who uses uh, her work to help create positive change in the world. That is something that I resonate with. And I just sort of had the sense that if I got to the point of interviewing Oprah, who doesn't allow a lot of people to do interviews, that I would be at a certain place, at a certain level where I would want to be, that I would know I was on the right track. And I definitely played around with visualizing this moment of not only meeting Oprah, but actually saying to Oprah, this is the moment that I actually visualized was to be able to meet and interview you. And I'd say a few years after that, I wound up getting a call. The first time I ever interviewed her was I had got, you know, I'd submit an interview request. It was around a time that she was uh, promoting a, I guess it was a special that was for own on the graduating class, the first graduating class for the Oprah Winfrey Leadership Academy for Girls in South Africa. And I had submitted an interview request. It didn't seem like it was going to necessarily happen, but they invited me to submit some questions over email. I totally forgot about it. And then one day the phone rang and it was somebody from Owen basically saying, you know, Miss Winfrey would like to call you. Is that okay? And, you know, obviously I had very little time. Of course, that it was fine. And I did a really wonderful, genuine interview with her. We talked about, you know, women's leadership and the importance of empowering girls. And I remember afterwards feeling like, well, that was that was that my vision? It was sort of my vision, but I, I didn't really quite meet her, but it still felt like it was something meaningful to me. And I sort of, you know, still like treasure that for what it was. However, a couple of years later after that, so this is about a couple of years behind from now, I wound up getting a call, another call from Own, and they said to me that Oprah had this documentary coming out on Own called Belief, which uh, was a series that sort of from her travels across the globe to explore all the different traditional practices of the many faiths and, and religions from across the world. And uh, they would like to offer me the exclusive interview, and they would like me to come down to LA and, and do the interview, the one interview that she would be doing that day in person at a taping of Super Soul Sessions. And you can just imagine, you know, how shocked and excited and flattered I was. And of course I went. And 
when I was doing the interview with her in the green room during a break from the taping, as we sat there on the couch together and having a very intimate personal conversation because we were talking very naturally about, you know, spirituality and belief. And obviously it felt very personal. I still had no plans to share with her that story. However, there comes a moment and you will hear it in the following conversation where she talks about being at this joyful place where she can literally, you know, see in others, you know, herself. And she looks at me in the eye and she says, I can see the soul and spirit of you. And the next thing I know out of my mouth is, you know, Oprah, I have to tell you a story. And so I tell her that I had visualized as knowing a signpost of where I would want to be this experience of meeting her and interviewing her and how powerful that was for me to be having this happen. Her eyes fill with tears and she takes my hands and looks at me and says, thank you. I feel blessed by that. And for what seems to me like an eternity, which I'm sure was only a matter of seconds, we just like lock eyes and share this moment. And the whole time I just remember being so surreal and out of body. It was one of the most powerful experiences in my life. So I say that as context for the following conversation, because the reason why it probably is meaningful for her for me to tell her that story is because that is so core to what she does believe is in the power of our beliefs to sort of manifest our reality. And so I felt that by sharing that with her, and especially since inspiration for it came from her, she would appreciate and also share with me in that moment. As I've said, my ultimate goal for this podcast is to be able to share the principles, the philosophies, the belief systems that some of the most iconic leaders of our time have embodied and share. And in this conversation with Oprah, she shared so personally, so candidly, her sort of innermost ideas around being a leader around how to manifest your dreams, about connection, about how to make change in the world. And in this podcast, what I wanted to do was highlight what seemed to emerge as some of the sort of key themes and principles that we can all learn from and attempt to incorporate into our own lives. Before we jump into the interview, I just want to note that this interview was actually not intended for a podcast, but was for an article that I was writing at the time. And that's why the sound quality will sound a little different than what you're hearing from me now. Let's listen in to my conversation with Oprah, and I will walk you through some of what stood out to me. My ultimate goal is to connect ideas in such a way that people see themselves in the stories of others. And I know what an enormous role my belief system has played in my life. I know that you become what you believe and that your beliefs really determine what you manifest in your life. So looking at the idea of what other people believe throughout the world, I thought would be able to strengthen the viewers' faith and ideas in their own beliefs and would also give you a connection to um, experience what other people believe throughout the world in a way that allows you to better illuminate yourself. In 
In this next segment, Oprah highlights the importance of being a connector. She actually says that she sees herself as a connector of ideas. And she talks about sort of this yearning that we all have for something that's sort of beyond ourselves and something that unites us all. And also the idea of, and I remember this from our first interview when she talks about leadership, that to her, what is the defining you know, sign of being a leader is using what you have to serve others. I think in these like highly polarized times where we often feel so divided and alienated from each other, it's so important to be able to connect around, you know, our common humanity. And then to also, if we are in a change-making roles, to actively and intentionally work to connect with each other, to uplift each other, as Oprah does, to connect other people to ideas that can help them in their lives and to have them feel that sense of belonging. I feel like Oprah, and this is actually something I personally resonate with because I've called myself a connector. People have called me a connector. This comes so naturally to her. I feel like it's literally just part of her calling and her role as a connector has been so central to sort of, you know, her work and her art and her being. And she does it in so many different ways when you start to think about it, that it probably is when she says that she sees herself as a connector to her, it is really sort of her defining identity and something that is is part of what is the gift of Oprah Winfrey. So let's listen as Oprah talks about how she sees herself as a connector and the importance of embodying that in our lives. I'm always hoping for connection. You know, I think that that is the gift that I bring, the talent that I actually bring to, you know, I was called a talk show host, but what I really was was a connector of ideas. And I am, you know, own a network, but I really am trying to connect ideas. And I'm getting people to experience faith, experience hope, experience what it means to be alive and human and thriving and yearning for something that's beyond yourself and seeing that there's a common bond that we all share in that yearning. What I hold to be true is that it doesn't matter if you are a rabbi father in Hungary or an aboriginal grandfather in Australia that the love, the connection that you share between your sons and your grandsons, as we see in that story of Mendel and Terry and Lucas, the connection, the thread between all of that is love and wanting, uh, wanting to be able to pass down the wisdom of the ages. One father wanting to be able to share with his son the wisdom of what he knows, another father wanting to be able to share the wisdom of their faith and their religion, and both of them doing that as an act of love to their children. And you see, wow, that Aboriginal grandfather doesn't look anything like the rabbi. He doesn't, you know, you know, obviously didn't come from that world, but their lives are the same in that desire to pass on uh, to the next generation that sense of meaning and value and faith and love. Regardless of what religion or faith, what name you use to call God, or if you use no name, that you can see and feel the power of love. In this next segment, 
Oprah talks about the vital importance of compassion. The framing that she talks about in connection to her documentary belief was that compassion is the sort of one principle that seems to underlie all of the the many faiths and religions and you know spiritual traditions is the importance of feeling and practicing compassion. I think right now in the world more than ever, especially as we're seeing sort of some of the dark sides of what happens when you don't have compassion in the world, we need leaders who are able to practice compassion and to show and feel empathy and to allow ourselves to be moved by the experience of others, even if that means that it's hard or it's painful, if, if it moves you to cry because of, you know, the suffering of whether it's, you know, other people or the earth or animals, we need to be able to allow our hearts to feel those experiences if we're really going to create the transformative change that we need on this planet and in humanity. So to me, when she talks about how important she thinks compassion is and the need to not just feel compassion, but to actually express compassion through, as she says, the spirit of love, I can't think of anything our world needs more right now in its healing is that sort of compassionate sense of belief and a commitment to enacting it in the world. Unifying theme is evident that is evident in all religions and faiths is compassion, is seeing your fellow man as yourself and expressing that compassion through the spirit of love. And so that is evident in everything that, that, that uh, we show. And I think, you know, my whole goal is absolutely to show us to ourselves through storytelling in a way that shows, you know, challenges and strife and difficulties and, you know, trying to, you know, the father who does the way of St. James and walks those 500 miles trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And many times, you know, all of us at some point in our lives, unless you are some exalted spiritual being here, you're going to have a crisis of faith. Challenges what you really truly believe, and I think the way of St. James shows that the way to get back to yourself is to, is to, is to, is to literally get still and be alone and to drown out the voices of the world mm-hmm. so that you can find your own way because your own way is always right here. You know, you know, as Michael Bethwick was uh, describing actually the four phases, I was saying, Oh, yeah, I was that, I was a, yeah, I was a victim maybe as a kid. And um, early on, I became clearly a manifester, Uh, being able to recognize that the way I thought about my life actually created the reality of my life. So I'm a big manifester. And now I would say I'm in in, in a state of literally in stage three and in stage four. That is channeling the information, channeling the wisdom of the spirit in such a way that you could share it with other people. And... And I don't mean channeling. I just, I just mean being open and receptive to the wisdom that is available and being able to share that uh, with other people. And also being in, in it, I, I would say that for, I've reached a really joyful stage, joyful stage that allows me to be fully present in every moment 
and appreciate every person, every encounter, every moment in such a way that I feel so full of life. That there really is, I'm at that space where there is no separation between me and life. Where every person that I encounter, I can literally see the, sp- the, the, the spirit of the divine, the presence. I can, I can see the soul of you and the spirit of you and relate to the soul and spirit of you and feel myself in you. I, I just don't know anything better than that. In this next segment, Oprah talks about the importance of being connected to the stillness and being open to the mystery of, you know, existence of the universe, of just being willing to not know, to really be present enough to be just, you know, amazed and curious and present with just the incredible reality that we are all living in and to sort of break out of our ego and to be able to connect with something that's greater than ourselves. And this isn't just because obviously this is a much deeper way of living and being in the world and connecting with others, but it also, you know, as a leader, it's important that it allows us to sort of drown out all of the noises of the outside world so that we can connect with our true selves, so that we don't think that we have to look outside ourselves for answers, that it's, as she says, it's only when you sort of connect to the stillness that you will find the really true answers for yourself. To me, this message about connecting to this stillness and finding time to connect with their inner world is probably more important now than ever when there are so many you know temptations pulling on us to be completely outside ourselves and to be sort of on autopilot that we're like barely even aware of what we're doing or saying is critical and that not only will that sort of enrich our experiences but it is also vital so that we make sure that we are enough in tune with our inner voice and our intuition and our instincts so we're making the right choices for ourselves and that we're really appreciating and being present for this amazing wonder of life. We do, what we don't have is going to the Good Witch as a part of this series, but she really is one of my greatest spiritual teachers because when Glinda says, as you've heard me say before, when Glinda says to Dorothy, you've always had it, that really is the way, uh, you know. You can spend all the years of your life looking outside of yourself for the answers to why am I here and what am I really supposed to do. But only when you are conscious, unconscious enough to connect to the stillness can you really find the answers. In this next segment, Oprah talks about how important it is that we find some kind of discipline or practice that we can use to practice sort of radical self-care and to manage our own energy. She basically says that in today's world, you know, you literally cannot get through the day without sort of feeling the impact and effect of all of the many inputs and often negativity and, you know, sort of vibrations that we're exposed to every day. So that she says, 
how core it has been for herself to make sure that she has some type of practice that she can do before she goes out into the world that sort of guards her energy so that she's a little stronger and doesn't allow that to sort of, you know, affect her or sort of, you know, pierce her in some way. And when she talks about, you know, the different ways that, you know, she she has done it for herself, what I thought was sort of very refreshing is when she acknowledges that, you know, for example, she might aim to do 20 minutes of meditation, but because she is so busy, she might not have time to do 20 minutes. So she's settled on this number of 12 minutes of meditation. But even if she can't do the 12 minutes, she says that literally while she's in the shower with the conditioner on her hair, she will just be present and set her intention for the day. And I think that's something we can all do is hopefully even just in the conditioner our hair, be present and set an intention for the day. She also talks about, you know, finding time to go outside or to look up at the stars. I know that for me, that's been something that I often do. It's hard not to look up at the stars and be present and feel kind of that sense of connectedness and wonder, you know, in our reality. So I think that it won't happen unless you sort of set the intention or disciplined about it to find a practice that whatever it is, you can incorporate in your life. But I think that she is right that in order to really be fully present and hold on to our energy and what we want our experience of the day to be and what thoughts we allow into you know our heads, we have to find those practices that sort of allow us to manage our energy and guard you know our mind and what we want for the experience of our day and our life. Gratitude is a spiritual practice of mine. I do it in the morning when I wake up, physically journaling, um, and about what I want the day, I envision the day, I, I, I have it live an intentional day. Mm -hmm. And at night I live a day grateful for the intentions that I was able to fulfill. I really do, it's, that's my practice. I, I advise everybody to do that, even if you just go to your backyard mm -hmm. at some point. Looking up at the stars and realizing that you are made of the star stuff. That this, this is where you come from. And no matter what you know, you don't know it all. So the common thread for me in belief is the mystery as it continues to unfold in our adventure as human beings here on Earth. That's to me the, the common thread. Wow. It's also about seeking for that which is the highest, truest expression of yourself, which is what every human being is actually looking for. So my connection to people is understanding that I may live in a different square footage from you, I may wear different shoes from you, I may drive a different car than you do, I live in a different part of town than you, but you want the same thing that I want. You are searching for exactly the same thing. You want happiness and joy for yourself. You want to be able to live a life that fulfills the truest, highest expression of who you know yourself to be. And that is what makes you feel whole. And that is what makes you feel complete. And so the common bond that we all share is that we're all looking for the same thing. I don't know how you survive in today's world with all of the noise and the literal craziness that we are surrounded 
and bombarded with from the time you wake up in the morning. It's coming through on the radio, it's on your phones, your smartphone. From the moment you turn on any electronic anything, you are bombarded by negative noise. If you have not prepared yourself, you then become um, a receptacle for all of that energy. So I literally prepare myself to be shielded from all of the negativity and to live and breathe in the space that I call God. Live and breathe in the center of myself. So all this other stuff is going around, but I am just in my peaceful space. You know, I live in that space. If you don't do that, then you will take on all the negative energy that is around you. And that's why by the end of the day, you feel crazy too. You feel crazy too. When I don't prepare myself, when I just get up and I'm late and I'm under the shower, I feel by midday a, a, a depletion of energy and and stress and negativity and, and stuff and junk. So my spiritual practice is to prepare myself. Sometimes if I have the time, it's 20 minutes of silence. Most times it's not. Now I have on my little timer, 12. I, I think, you know, the universe would be okay with 12. I do 11. <laughs> yeah, 12, 12, 12, 12 is good. So I think 12 is good, 12 disciples, 12, uh, 12 days of Christmas, 12. So I, I now narrow that down to 12 because most days I don't have time for 20. But even if I have 12, don't have 12, I take time just in the shower, just there. Turn off the water because it's California. But turn off the water because it's California. Take time while I'm letting the conditioner go through my hair just to be still and fully present to order intentionally what I want for the day. And, and then I do the practice at night. I do the practice of, I do some form of prayer practice at night. Gratitude or thank you or something, yeah. I hope that you found something in this conversation with Oprah that, you know, sticks with you and really helps you or presents a practice or a new idea or a philosophy that allows you to create the life that you want for yourself and to reach your your goals and to become the leader and change maker that you want to be or more broadly, as Oprah says, to become the highest, truest expression of yourself. I'm Marianne Schnall. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to What Will It Take? Conversations with legends and movement makers with journalist and author Marianne Schnall. For more information about this podcast or our host, check out whatwillittake.com or follow us on Twitter at Marianne Schnall.